Our scripture reading this morning is Philippians 1, 20 through 25. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in this body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain. And I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. This is the word of the Lord for us. One of the games from my childhood was called the Game of Life. Does anyone else remember this game? Did you have this in your home? This is a pretty popular game. This is one of the games that I recall from childhood. And in this particular game, it's, uh, it's a simulation of life. So you get a job, <laughs> and you get a car, and you get a house. Like, that's, that's kind of the game. Um, and you just you try to get the biggest salary, and you try to accumulate the most stuff. Those of you who've played it kind of remember this. Um, that's how you win, is you get the most stuff. This game is weird. <laughs> um, and, and the reason I say that is not because of the person who accumulates the most stuff wins at the end of the game. There are actually plenty of games that are like that. There are plenty of games where the person with the most at the end wins. In fact, a lot of games are that way. So that's not what strikes me as odd about the game of life. I think as I think about this game that I played when I was a child, the fact that it's entirely a game of chance. <laughs> like, if you remember the game, you don't make any decisions in the game. I, I should have one little caveat. At the very beginning of the game, you choose, do I go left or right for like four spaces? So there's one itty-bitty tiny little choice at the beginning of the game. But for the rest of the game, it's all just based on the spinner. Where you happen to land, where you happen to fall, the card you happen to pull. It's all just this series of random events. And I'm like, what message does that send? <laughs> that life is nothing more than a spin of the dial, a roll of the dice... It's weird. All you can do, I mean, if you, if you, would, take, if you would keep playing this out, the, the message of the game of life, uh, um, all you can do is sort of hope for riches and fame and the right car and the right house and the right salary, and then at the end, that place in millionaire estates. Remember, that was the, that was the lodging point where you wanted to be. And I think it's sad. <laughs> and I have a message this morning, and it comes from the scriptures, that is totally opposite and totally counter to that. <laughs> that life is not just a series of random events with crossed fingers that at the end it's all going to turn out okay. That life is about Christ. We, of course, see that in the scriptures this morning. Life is far more than random sequences of events. There is life. And there is life in Christ. And that's what we're going to talk about today from Philippians chapter 1. So let me introduce myself. My name is John Reisner. I serve as lead pastor here at MCA. Thrilled that you're with us today. And I am praying that through our time together, your heart and home grow stronger in the Lord. This is week three in our study of Philippians. We have uh, spent the first two weeks in chapter 1. We'll be in chapter 1 again this morning, closing out this chapter. It's a, a little... Uh, book, an epistle, a letter written in the New Testament by the Apostle Paul to this church in Philippi. We have already learned from our short study thus far in the letter that there is joy in Christ and that we should be bold for Jesus. And this morning, as I said, 
we're going to discover that there is true life in Christ. So I hope you brought your Bible with you this morning. If you have it, open it up to Philippians chapter 1. For our study today, we're going to be going through the section that is verses 19 through 30, closing out this chapter. And let's go ahead and key in at verse 21, which is kind of the theme verse for this section, where Paul says, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And so I just want to point out that this is the mentality of someone who has this contagious joy, that to live is Christ. And our hope is for an eternity in the presence of God. And so we should have this same mindset. Now, if we get real open and honest with one another this morning, I think we would fill in the blanks a little differently, though, wouldn't we? To live is blank. (laughs) Some of us would say the Browns winning the Super Bowl. (laughs) Others would say the Guardians winning the World Series. They're getting closer. (laughs) Others would say a beach vacation. Or that promotion at work. I myself might say a strawberry rhubarb pie. (laughs) To live is blank. Paul says to live is Christ. And, And then he says to die is gain. Again, I think we would probably fill in the blank a little differently there. For many of us, it would simply be terrifying. Not ready for that. Afraid of that. Don't want that. So this morning, we're going to talk about life, true life, as the scriptures discuss it. And you can just take a look at the world around you and the people around you to see that everyone is living for something. We're all living for something. Life is found in something for all of us. You know, it's a lot of times it's money. For others, it's success or just that pursuit of pleasure and happiness. Uh, For some, it's fame. For many, it's security and that feeling of being safe. Uh, I've noticed, maybe you have as well, that this is actually a common phrase that's being used in pop culture right now, that the thing you like is life. Have you, have you caught that? Have you heard that? The thing you like is life, as in tacos are life. Uh, this, is just, this is just saying, like, I like tacos, but it's saying tacos are life. Naps are life would be another example. Or how about this one? Life begins after coffee. (laughs) How about you? Did you have coffee yet today? Okay. Many, most have already had their coffee today. Or football isn't just a sport. It's my life. So this morning, and I'm I'm not against coffee or football or baseball or any of those things. In fact, I'm a fan of many of them, most of them. What I'm suggesting is that we have good news, that life is far more than those things, that there is true life and that life is found in Christ. So I'm talking about eternal life. I'm talking about hope for today that has implications for tomorrow and forevermore. And it's a life of love and joy and peace. It's a life of Being known by God our creator and knowing him through his son Jesus. Knowing him as our redeemer, savior, friend. So this true life that we're going to look at this morning from Philippians 1 is only found in Christ. So before we get into the 
text, before we get in, any further into the passage, I, wa- I just want you to hear this very clearly this morning. That true life is only found in Christ. And so if you are living in pursuit of, trying to find life in anything else, stop. Stop right now. Turn to Christ. And this morning is a great opportunity to do that. As we've gathered here with brothers and sisters in Christ, we've we've sung songs to Almighty God. We're opening the Word of God. If your life is being lived in pursuit of anything other than Christ, stop. Turn to Him this morning. Seek Him and His ways. His ways are best. His ways are the only ways to find true and lasting and meaningful life. Hear this warning this morning. Book of Jonah, chapter 2 and verse 9. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Turn to Christ. I I brought a quote this morning. I love the way that 20th century author Henry James puts it. He says, the best use for your life is to invest it in something that will outlast it. Invest your life in something that's going to outlast it. There's a Peanuts cartoon where Lucy is delivering one of her characteristic lectures. And here's what she says. Life... Charlie Brown, she waxes philosophical, is like a deck chair. She explains they, they, some place it where they can see where they're going. Others place it where they see where they've been. Some place it so where they can see where they are in the present. She says, on the cruise ship of life, Charlie Brown, which way is your deck chair facing? And of course, old Charlie says, ah, I've never been able to get mine unfolded. <laughs> Yeah, maybe that's how you feel today. You know, it's like life has not gone the way you expected. Things have not turned out the way you hoped. You've not been able to get your feet on solid ground. You could tell me many reasons why you don't have contagious joy. You could tell me about all of your circumstances that have been hard and challenging and have kept you down. You could tell me about the people who have mistreated you and wronged you. You can tell me all the reasons why you don't have an abundant life. Why you're down, why you're out. I'm so encouraged by the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter, this book of Philippians. Because we know something about his circumstances, don't we? That he was actually in jail. That he was in chains during this time. And not only that, I don't think I've touched on this yet in this sermon series, but not only was he imprisoned and bound in chains, but he was awaiting trial, which could have resulted in execution. So he's awaiting his sentencing, and it's, it's a possibility that his sentence is going to be death. But he had contagious joy. Why? Because of Christ. Because of Christ and only because of Christ. And so what I'm suggesting this morning as we look in the scriptures is that we can too. That it's not about our circumstances. It's not about our past. It's not about what we've done wrong or what others have done to us. It's about Christ. And so if you want true life, meaningful life, purposeful life, it's found only in Christ. To live, Paul says, is Christ. To die is gain, right? That means, and and simply put, that means I'm gaining heaven. So it's a win-win. So we're going to finish out uh, chapter 1 of the book of Philippians this morning, 19 through 30. 
And really, as we talk about life in Christ this morning from this section, we can see three truths for those whose life is in Christ. So three things that I want to point out for us. And the first is that we are saved. Okay, so Paul mentions this a few times in this letter, talking about deliverance or salvation. And so it's tempting for us to say, dude writes a letter from prison, talks about uh, deliverance. He's talking about getting out of jail. (laughs) Well... Paul knows that his release from jail, being delivered from his chains, would be best for the believers in Philippi and and for many others. He knows that that would be best. But he also knows that true deliverance is something far more than just his chains being set free, being set free from his chains. When he talks about salvation and deliverance, he's talking about far more than just the Roman guard that's watching over him and keeping him that that, that he would stay put. It is a salvation for eternity that lasts forever. So when we have life in Christ, we are saved. So let's go to verse 19. Philippians chapter 1. He says, I know that through your prayers and God's provisions of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Now, Paul didn't actually come up with this. It's a direct quote from the Old Testament. Book of Job in chapter 13 and verse 16. And it really helps us appreciate the fact that those who suffer for Christ will be rewarded. Because you know something about the story of Job. I don't have time this morning to preach his whole story. But you know something about his story, right? That that when you suffer for the Lord, you will be rewarded with a special honor. That same passage in Job chapter 13 is the one where Job says, Though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. Now, when we say we're saved, I know for some people that sounds really odd. That it's like, you, you're saved? Like, were, were you marooned on an island? <laughs> like, what does that mean that you were saved? I don't get it. Like, were you a prisoner of war and, like, a group came in covertly? You know, like, the Green Berets came in and broke you out and you got saved? Like, what does that mean? So it's important for us to be able to understand and articulate, especially as we influence those around us, If we say we're saved, that we understand what that means. No, it doesn't mean that we're marooned on an island. (laughs) It means that I was caught in a predicament that is sin. That that sin separated me from God, a holy and loving creator, a heavenly father who longs for a relationship with me. And so when I'm saved, it means I am now safe in the arms of that loving heavenly father and that I have a relationship with him through Christ. And at the end of the age, of course, it means that I will be saved from the eternal punishment that will befall all those who refuse to believe. And so Philippians chapter one actually speaks very clearly into this idea of salvation. Like in verse 28, you can look there. Paul mentions that the fearlessness of the Philippians toward their oppressors will be like a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. So this is the good news of the gospel. It's salvation that comes through Christ, that everyone who believes in God's Son and calls on Him in faith will be saved. Saved to a life with Christ that starts now and lasts forever. Saved from the flames of hell. (laughs) John says at the end of his gospel in John chapter 20 and verse 31, these words are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, 
you may have life in his name. It's a theme throughout scripture. From beginning to end. That life, life abundant, true life, is only found in God. As we talk about salvation, it's the, the kind of obvious one there is the fact that that's basically what Jesus' name means. <laughs> that the name of Jesus means the Lord saves. So that in sending his son, we have the demonstration that God is our deliverer. That he will rescue us. And so listen. God does, at times, rescue us from our situation or from our hardship. He longs for his children, for his people, to cry out to him in our times of distress and struggle. We, we again, see this in the example of Paul, though he was in chains. He's crying out to the Lord. He's worshiping God. And so, yes, there are times where he, as our deliverer, will, will rescue us from our situation or from our hardship. But there are other times where he's calling us to endure for a little while. He's calling us to press on and await a salvation that is yet coming. So being saved is talking about a relationship with Jesus and God our deliverer. And yes, we cry out to him in our times of need. And sometimes he tells us to endure and he empowers us to endure for a salvation that is yet coming. And really that leads us to our second point this morning. That we are strong. So even if deliverance doesn't come in the form of that miraculous healing that you so desperately want. Even if the thorns in the flesh remain. And those of you who know something about Paul's life and ministry. that You understand that reference. Even if those thorns in the flesh remain. Even if we face persecution or chains or temptations. Living in Christ, a life in Christ, means that we draw on his strength in order to face our challenges. And so it means that we're not fearful, but we're bold, even in the face of death itself. Number one fear in America, death. Paul says in verse 20, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage... So that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. He's not afraid of death. Those whose life is in Christ have a totally, radically different view. In fact, let me share a story. This happened many years ago, but it's powerful. This was a southern evangelist, Dr. John Rice. He was a fiery guy. And he was preaching against bootleggers. This was, I said it was many years ago. <laughs> uh, so they're, uh, they're, bringing, they're bringing in liquor, of course. This is, this is big business. Big business. And, and they're bringing in liquor. And it was illegal. And so he had, he had multiple issues with this. And so John Rice is preaching against them. And these, these big-time bootlegger businessmen who carried a lot of weight, had a lot of influence, and could wipe someone off the face of the earth, and did in many cases, they decided he just needed to be silenced. And so they gave him a warning. Rather than just take him out, they gave him a warning. So they sent him a death threat. (laughs) They said, you better stop what you're doing. Stop preaching against us. Stop, you know, stop this. And here's his response. You can't threaten me with heaven. (laughs) You can't threaten me with heaven, he said. Like, this is just the attitude that Paul has here, right? Like, to die is gain. It's like, John Rice is like, what are you talking about? Where's the threat there? 
You can't threaten me with heaven. I'm not afraid of you. I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing and what God has called me to do. And I'm not afraid of you. And so when we are in Christ and have a life in Christ, we are strong. He strengthens us. To live is Christ, to die is gain. So listen, even as we read Paul's anguish in this letter, it's not over the possibility that he would get a death sentence. Right here in this little passage, you sense that there is an unsettled uh, feeling that Paul has. There's some anguish. There's some strife and struggling. It's not over the fact that he's wringing his hand saying, oh dear, oh me, oh my, I might lose my head. He's fine with that as an outcome. (laughs) His anguish, his struggle, what he's wrestling with is this tension that this, he's torn between life and death. Really, what, I called it a win-win situation. He's torn between continuing to live for Christ and the beauty that awaits him in glory. So, listen, I don't think Paul had a death wish, so let's just be clear on this. that I, I don't think that he was suicidal, I don't, I don't think he was, was into you know, self-harm or putting himself in a situation where I'm, I might lose my life here. It's just that he longed for that ultimate nearness to Jesus. And so when the opposition came and threatened execution, he said, you can't threaten me with heaven. So verse 22, we're in Philippians chapter 1. Uh, I told you we were going to take our time with this study, didn't I? <laughs> Verse 22, he says, if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. These are the verses that Brian read for us a few moments ago. He says, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. We see this anguish that's happening because he's in a win-win situation. He is not afraid of death. He is not afraid of the opposition that he's facing. He's not afraid of his chains. If your life is in Christ, you are strong. Jump down to verse 27. He tells these Christian believers in Philippi to stand firm. Stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Don't be afraid, he says. Be strong. Spoiler alert, if you don't know the story of Paul, he was released. He wasn't executed here. He was let go and he served the Lord further, just like he said here that to to go on living means fruitful labor for Christ. More ministry. He did more missionary work. He preached more sermons. He encouraged more saints for another three to four years. Then they caught him again. Then they put him in chains again. And that time it wasn't the same result. He was martyred. Paid the ultimate price. Gave his life for the cause of the gospel. He was martyred for his faith and still stayed strong. It's like he knew that even in his weakest moments, Christ would be strong. So then he says in verse 29, For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Those who suffer for Christ 
have a special reward. So church, what are we afraid of? Why are we afraid to speak out and live for Christ? Why are we afraid that someone's going to make fun of us or point at us or laugh at us? Why would we alter our actions, our worship, our testimony, our lifestyle to avoid the embarrassment, the shame, the mockery, the persecution of a world who's going to hell, of a world who's in darkness and doesn't recognize God? When your life is in Christ, you are strong, you are bold, you are brave, not because of your own ingenuity, not because you've been hit in the weight room, but because of Christ who lives in you. We're strong when we admit our weakness. When we say to live is Christ. So when our life is in Christ, we are saved, we are strong, and finally we are sanctified. It's that life just bent on kingdom living, Jesus-centered, devoted to God's glory, passionate about bringing honor to him and him alone. And so if we look at the beginning of verse 27, we're still in Philippians chapter 1, Paul says, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And that does not mean perfection. No. I would say it means movement. It means growth. It means your path is clearly marked and illuminated by God's word. I would say it's when you come to those points where you need to make a choice and you intentionally decide, this is where I believe God wants me to be. This is what I believe God wants me to do. And so that is what I shall do. It's not like the game of life. <laughs> it's not like spin the dial. Oh, great. Oh, gee. You know, and those little cars, they don't have nearly enough spaces for all my children. I mean, come on. It's not like the game of life where you're just spinning a dial to see. It's an intentional choice based on what God has done for me. And I will live in grateful response to him. And so he said, go, I'm going to go. He said, give, I'm going to give. He said, serve, I'm going to serve. He said, share the life-giving power of Jesus with this world. What are we going to do? Careful, deliberate sensitivity and obedience to God's will. It is a life of being sanctified when your life is in Christ. In Lewis Carroll's classic, uh, Alice in Wonderland, there's this exchange between Alice and the Cheshire Cat. Would you tell me, please, which way I ought to go from here? She asks. The cat says, well, that depends a good deal on where you want to get to. <laughs> Alice says, I don't care much where. The cat says, well, then it doesn't matter which way you go. So long as I get somewhere, added Alice as an explanation. Oh, you're sure to do that. The cat said, if only you walk long enough. That's what the game of life says. You'll get somewhere if you just keep moving. But the life of sanctification says, I know what God has done for me. And so I'm going to make intentional choices to grow as his disciple and to spread the good news. The life being sanctified and growing in Christ. Let me just put it this way. The choices you make today impact your life tomorrow. And that may sound really simplistic, but the choices you make today 
are going to determine where you are and who you are tomorrow and a year from now and 10 years from now. And so which way are you going? God, of course, wants to lead us on what the scriptures call the path of righteousness. Heath quoted Psalm 23 earlier during our worship set. He leads us on that path of righteousness. Why? For his name's sake. Not so that we get the pat on the back. Not so that people say, oh, you seem really pious. Oh, you seem very holy and godly. For his name's sake. He is exalted and magnified when he leads us on the path of righteousness. And so he wants to follow what Jesus calls the narrow path that leads to life. He wants to teach us. He wants to grow us along the journey of life so that we become transformed even more into the likeness of Jesus. And so I want you to hear this this morning. He wants to work in you to bring cleansing, to bring healing, to bring forgiveness, to bring a contagious joy. In a few moments, we're going to see two individuals enter the waters of baptism. People who are growing in Christ. People who are loved by Almighty God. And have a contagious joy. As we close, I want to take us to uh, the Old Testament, to Deuteronomy chapter 30. This is where Joshua pleads with his fellow Israelites. And here's what he says. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. And then Joshua says, then you will live. Life isn't about the pursuit of your own dreams and happiness. Life is only about Christ. So if you want to be in pursuit of something, pursue Christ. If we jump down a few verses then to verse 15, Joshua continues. He says, now choose life so that you and your children may live, that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life. Man, I'm encouraged by that. <laughs> the Lord is my life. And no matter what I've got in my past, no matter what my story is, no matter what yesterday was, today is a new day. It's time to move forward. Oh, but isn't it tempting to just look back? To see all the things that have happened to us, to see all the mistakes we've made. It's just, it can be, it can be a, a weight that holds us down when we focus on the regrets and the failures and the foibles and the follies and the foul-ups and the sin. And so sometimes it's like, well, I just can't seem to get my life together. I just can't seem to make my relationships work. I can't get a job. I can't find a spouse. I can never get over what was done to me. I can't get free from, from this sin that's entangling me or this in addiction that has a hold of me, that has power over me. I don't know how I could be forgiven based on what I've done. I don't know how God could love me. Well, friends, I want you to hear very clearly from Romans 5, 8 that says, while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. While you were off wandering, who knows where? Yesterday and the days before, Christ died for you. So today is a new day. Today is a day to follow Christ. And when you're in Christ, you're saved. 
You're strong. You're sanctified. You're not your past. You're not your mistakes. You're not the baggage that comes from your culture or from your family. You're not your pain or your addiction or your failures. You are not your sin. But God says you are his righteousness. Why? Because of the shed blood of Jesus and only because of the shed blood of Jesus. So you are a daughter of the Most High God. You are a son. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, the scriptures say. You are indeed forgiven. You're free. You're accepted. You're loved. You are a new creation in Christ. And so would you leave behind all the world offers? Stop playing their games. Find true life that can only be found in Jesus and discover the contagious joy of serving and walking with Christ. Let's take a moment and pray together. Oh Lord, our God, We're so thankful for the work that you do that only you can do. Where you take people who are marred by the effects of sin, who have made mistakes, who've gone astray, and you cleanse us, and you wash us clean. And I remember the time in Scripture, Lord, where where Jesus, you were washing the feet of your disciples. And you came to Peter and you were about to wash his feet. And he said, no, not just my feet. (laughs) Wash all of me from head to toe. So, Lord, our part is simply to surrender to you, to submit before you, the all-powerful, all-knowing God. Thank you, Lord, that you are a forgiving God. Thank you that your faithfulness endures. And thank you, God, for what you're doing in this place. And so if you're here today, our prayer team is going to gather in the front after the service. You are welcome to come. We would love to minister to you and pray with you. But Lord, we look to you today. Only you as the source of our salvation. Only you in whom we find our strength. Only you who does that work of sanctification to cleanse us and make us holy and pure. And how we long for that day when Jesus returns to call us home. So Lord, thank you. We honor you and bless you and look to you, to all that you're doing, and for all that you are. We pray it only in Jesus' name. Amen.